What up? What up? This is Chris. This is Rob. Wait, wait, wait. I'm Chris. <laughs> That's Rob. I hope you enjoy our show. Have a great time. What up, what up, everybody? How are you guys doing out there? I'm doing good, Rob. I don't know. He's in a he's in a mood today, so we're gonna have some fun though. Anyway, hey folks, gotta tell you, if you don't know Nick Samurai Fingers Morrison, you should. Yes. Oh yeah, guitarist went to Berklee College of Music, number one best-selling author on Amazon. How can you not love that? Hey Nick, what's going on, man? Not much, just uh, just enjoying my day here in Calgary, having a great time. Looking forward to sitting and chatting with you guys a bit. Thanks for having me on. Take your glasses off. I know those. Yeah, killing. All right, sorry. No, you're good. You're good. It's me. My, I got. Yeah, I'm getting old. I I say it to you, and he goes, "Oh, okay." Yeah, good. It's me. Um, (laughs) you know what? I want to go right in. I, I love the guitars behind you. Do any of them have good stories behind them? Uh, do any of them have any good story? I'm just trying. Well, I mean, this one, this is um, my Ernie Ball Music Man. This one's been around the world with me. Um, nice. I've played it on almost every continent. The only continent, I, th- there's three I haven't been to, which would be uh, obviously Antarctica, Ar- the Arctic, and Africa. Everywhere else I've been, that guitar's been with me. It's seen, it's seen fire and it's seen rain and you know everything in between um this is a relatively new acquisition i just got um and this guy uh, i've had for a little while too the uh the the 6120 this is a a gretch nashville chet atkins but i've kind of decked it out with some dice knobs and uh cool flaming eight ball up at the uh, up at the headstock it's for doing some rockabilly stuff um and then this this guy is kind of a neat guitar um when you plug it in the the knobs actually light up um yeah i don't know and it's super light it weighs like a pound and a half (laughs) it's like a yamaha ax series and it's like hollowed out so it's made of wood and it's got like some composite uh, fiberglass and whatever else but it's super super light so it's a fun guitar to play yeah yeah so so are we going to think africa soon you want to hit that one and then the yeah i'd love to the antarctic festival is one of the best Mm. is it really that's what i hear I think it, I think it goes down like I don't know. Sometimes I can trust him, sometimes I can't. I don't know about this one. With yeah, this. I don't I don't know that there's really a whole lot that ever really goes down there because there's um there's really only that science research station. The only the only band that I know that has ever played Antarctica was was Metallica back in like 2016, I think it was. Where yeah, they did like their whole like Met Club um random draw and they like flew down crew and all the staging and everything and then i think 200 lucky members of the fan club and they did like a private show they did like a geodesic dome and the whole bit all so that they could be like a they could set a world record for um uh, guinness book of world records for like uh the most continents played within a one-year period or whatever and they needed to do antarctica because nobody else had ever done it so but that's the only instance of anybody that i know ever playing down there so Wow. wow, that's a that's actually pretty cool. That's good knowledge. Yeah, yeah, that is. It is really cool. I didn't realize that. I knew that they had played down there, but I didn't realize that that was the reason behind it. You just got him excited. Yeah. Yes. He's all about oh yes, I am. I like. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Nice. I'm having a moment. I've actually there. got some of James Hetfield's uh, used stinky wristbands. 
Oh, really? From the uh, from the Saint Anger tour, they're in my closet. I've got a bunch of memorabilia and stuff in there. Um, but yeah, he gave them to me after a show, and I've kept onto them or held onto them ever since. That's sweet. That's sweet. Yeah. Look, I kind of want to ask a few questions. You totally. Know? You know, you write for film and TV. I hmm. want to know how you got started in that. To be quite honest, that is a good question. Um, so, if I go all the way back to like my very first professional paid gig um the very first thing i ever did is I, I did some session work actually for my cousin who was working at an ad agency in toronto and uh he had me in and i recorded guitars we were doing a like an ad for um iga it's the independent uh, grocers association up here it'd be like Publix or whatever down in the states right yeah and uh and uh, it was a, I can't remember if it was a corporate training video or if it was a commercial, but it was something for that, for that business. And I was like, that's really cool. And I was at the time, I think I was like 16 and, and I asked him, I was like, you know, so do you do this a lot? And he was like, well, I don't do it a ton, but you know, whenever, whenever there comes a chance I, I do it. So, and he kind of put this, this seed in my mind of, Hey, there's money in writing music or playing music, at least, you know, from a session standpoint for TV commercials for radio commercials, like that kind of stuff. Um, and then very shortly thereafter, I got my second like paid professional gig that I actually wrote, produced, recorded, and did everything myself. And that was for a, um, a, a an adult film. And that was a lot of fun. And uh, it was short. It was, you know, as they are, right? Eight and a half minutes or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were in the room playing while they're doing no it? no 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 this is all post-production i don't <laughs> let goo get on my guitar because that'd be talent right yes that yeah, right. Be. <laughs> i have to hold the guitar way out here um yeah. <laughs> what am i talking about more like here anyway um <laughs> let's be honest um but <laughs> yeah but uh you know so that was kind of my, my first uh experience with it all yeah I've been playing and 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 touring and, and gigging since like 99 2000 something like that and as you as you travel and as you do and you work and I was living in Japan actually in the in the late the latter half of the 2000s and I uh, met my wife and we decided to get married and I was like man I just I don't want to be touring anymore I don't want to be out on the road as much um, away from home I want to spend time with her and you know just as you get older priorities change and uh, and I was looking for ways to you know, supplement my income or replace my income from touring. And like, how do you do that? And, uh, I remember, do you remember magazines way back in the day? You could like go to the store and buy like this paper. Thing. Yeah. yeah um, and they have, you know, letters in them. Exactly. And, and yeah. in the back, they used to have like classified ads, right. Which would be like other musicians seeking other musicians or like musicians, uh, MIT musicians, Institute of technology in Hollywood. would usually have ads. Um, there would be like, you know, learn, learn guitar in 15 days with, you know, Dave drew or whoever it was. Um, and there was almost always in the back of like guitar player magazine an ad for taxi A and R and they're an independent, um, A and R agency based out of Calabasas, California. And you join up with them and they work as a middleman between ad agencies and production houses for film and TV and guys like me that have music to sell. And so I hooked up with them and that's kind of how I got involved into that. It was, would have been 2009 and, uh, and it, it's been, it's been awesome ever since I've like all of my, not all, but I would say probably 90% of my professional contacts and like my actual paid gigs have all come through contacts that i made through that company mm -hmm. so yeah that is actually pretty yeah. cool so have you ever done like 
when you're talking about TV and stuff like that that you've done, is it like the intro to the show? Is it stuff that's happening in the middle of the show? I wish. I haven't got anything that high profile yet. Okay. Um, what I do is something called uh, interstitial music or incidental music. They're two different types. So incidental is like when characters are driving in a car and they're having a conversation, but you can hear like radio in the background. Okay. They're usually not actually licensing ACDC or Led Zeppelin or Metallica. They're usually going to a production music uh, facility or a library or a guy like me saying, hey, we need 45 seconds of something that sounds like black and back or back in black. Can uh -huh. you do that? Yeah, absolutely. That's and cool. that way they're, they don't have to pay for master rights. So it's way cheaper. Right. And there's no vocals that are going to get in the way of the dialogue. So that's incidental music so i do a lot of that and then interstitial stuff is like for for tv uh or really for for radio or even internet now um which is like radio bumpers so ins and outs at the ends of sessions segments like that kind of stuff um and then a lot of times you know reality tv as of like 2008 2009 2010 really started taking over predominantly like if you look at like discovery hgtv life all of those different channels they all produce all this reality tv stuff and they cut really 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 quickly if you ever actually watch one of those shows from like a production standpoint they're cutting to a new scene usually every three to five seconds right. and they yeah. have a new piece of music every 15 seconds really to keep people interested wow. so they need a lot of stuff and uh, again a lot of those a lot of those music tracks are are from guys like me now i don't necessarily uh get to pitch and or talk to the production house directly and just give them like they say hey we need this and then i give it to them yeah. usually what happens is i just produce kind of in a bubble um i'll get like a brief or you know you kind of keep watch on what's going on in the industry and go okay well this type of music or this type of style or whatever is really popular right now and you create like a bundle of like 20 30 50 100 tracks and you submit them to your your agency or to your uh, music licensing affiliate or whoever and then they'll actually go out and work those leads for you and sell that music and that's right. primarily how i work so that's really cool. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Now you had brought up Japan like, you know, a little bit ago. Yeah. What was it like in Japan? I mean, what what kind of experience? Uh, was there? It it was it's like living on Mars, man. <laughs> What's that? You said you met your wife there, so. Yeah. So she's actually not Japanese. She's Canadian. So you went all uh, the way to Japan to find a Canadian. Absolutely, my buddies all give me a hard time about it. They're like, that, you went that far? That you married a Canadian? Story just in its own right there. <laughs> You gotta absolutely absolutely um she's actually from alberta which is why we live here now we're closer to her family and um but yeah i went all the way over there met her and i mean anytime you're in like kind of like an expat situation like that you're, you're pretty tight like all the canadians knew each other you know all the or, or the north americans all the aussies hung out and knew each other all of the brazilians like etc 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 and um as much as both of us wanted to try and integrate and like meet and hang out with lots of japanese people and kind of have more japanese life there still is a very xenophobic barrier <laughs> where it's really difficult sometimes to make real actual friends uh you know in japan of actual you know japanese uh citizens so it, you know it become and plus there's you know language and cultural barrier you know it's much easier especially if you're going to get in a relationship with somebody it's way easier to, to 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 talk and speak the same language and to have the same cultural references and to have the same you know cultural zeitgeist i guess if you want to call it so it yeah. just makes everything so much easier but yeah japan was uh it was very cool it was like it was like living on mars if you can picture like 1950s america right the the, the scene i like to give to people to give to give folks an idea is like 
those scenes of like if like back to the future when like the car pulls into the um in 1955 Hill Valley, the car pulls into the, like the service station and like six guys run out, like one to check the tire pressure, one to check the oil, one to wash the wipers, one to say, hello, ma'am, what can I do for you today? Like, that's what Japan's like. The level of service is insane. Um, and that's also the reason that they have like a 0.05% unemployment rate because they'll have like one job and they'll have like nine people do it. <laughs> wow. But that's just the way they work there. Um, and everything that you've seen, like all of the crazy stuff, like all you know on tv like the you know the shows that make fun of it um stuff you read on the like it's all true <laughs> amazing wow yeah. that is i know. mean i can imagine him getting off the plane yeah he walks out there and he's like hey 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 and then somebody says hey back and they're like hey canadian <laughs> and that's how they got connected yeah <laughs> what, right <laughs> we're like bats we just hey <laughs> Exactly. Oh man. So I'm gonna and, try and to keep nice it serious here. Yeah. Go, go. You're a hoser. I'm anyway. <laughs> yeah, that was it. It was the call of the Great White North. I got off the plane. Yes. Yes. Somebody that got that reference. Yes. I thank you. Take off, eh? Hey, you hoser, eh? Yeah. Love it. Uh, Thank you. I love that movie, by the way. For those that don't know Strange Brew, you should. Let me tell you. Totally, totally. All right, Farley. All right. Hey, zip it, Noonan. Um, So, we're going to try and get serious here. But what would you say the biggest hurdle or obstacle for new musicians right now is? Oh, um. That is, yeah, that is a good question. I, I mean, really, in terms of, I guess there's there's a couple different ways that you can take it, right? So, like, is a new musician looking to become the next rock star? Are they looking to become a writer? Are they looking to become a sideman or a, or a gigging musician? Or do they want to be a uh, like a YouTube in, Instagram influencer, like that kind of thing? Like, all of these are valid um, options. So the first obstacle is like just figuring out what you want to do, yeah. right? Then the hardest thing, and this has always been true. I don't think it's any different in 2022 than it was in 20, 2010 or 1978. It's really figuring out who you are and what you bring to the industry and what you bring musically to the table. Um, you know, we've all heard or we've all known, I'm sure, musicians, when you ask them, like, what kind of band they are, they, they play in, they're like, oh, well, you know, it's a bit of a mix of, like, if you took Aerosmith and then there's a little bit of Rush and we have, we definitely enjoy, you know, like, ABBA and then sometimes, but we have a thicker bass and then, you know, the drums are really heavy, though, but they're not too heavy. And then they go on this, like, 20-minute diatribe. <laughs> oh, my God. Right? Because nobody wants to get boxed in, but the problem is that humans are, we are a species of uh lines and definitions mm -hmm. it's how we interact it's how we understand the world it's how we understand each other so then the, the next hurdle once you decide what you want to do is really figuring out who you are what you bring to the table and hyper focusing on that um this is something that i'm still working on by the way it's not like i have this perfected you know but yeah. figuring out what you do like if you love heavy metal go after heavy metal if you love prog go after prog if you love you know guitar based tappy auto uh, not auto but like tappy based acoustic music with like capos and whatever like do that thing and become the best at it it doesn't mean that you can't explore and do all of the other side projects and other stuff in music but you have to learn to market yourself for that one thing so that if people hear 
crazy tappy acoustic music, they go, oh, Steven Zielinski, I know that kid, right? right? Your name has to become synonymous with it. And and that's kind of, I guess, what I'm getting at is it's it's all, when you get it. down to it, it's all marketing. Marketing mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah, marketing yourself. So whether it's- that niche, right? It's, yeah, find that niche. There's, yeah. there's that expression, right? There's riches in the niches. Because what you're seeing now, you'll see on the the um, social medias is like somebody's making music. Like you want to make a song for Chris, you know, you love Chris. And then there's a musician out there who's making a song for Chris for whatever reason now. And those yeah. people are getting all these orders at what, 150 bucks a pop, mm-hmm. right? And right. so there's a niche that we're talking about. Like there's the people are trying to find any way to, to do it. Yep. Uh, so you talking about, some of the TV and stuff you've mentioned like YouTube and yep. influencer. What about people that are kind of like looking for music to use on in YouTube? Yeah. Well, I mean, there are a gazillion and one music licensing uh, services out there. So YouTube even has its own music library mm-hmm. that influencers and YouTubers can make. They can go in there. It's pre-licensed. It's pre-cleared. Everything's ready to go. Um, you can find people through YouTube, through SoundCloud as a huge resource um, websites, word of mouth, like that kind of thing. And if you approach a composer, like, cause I'll do, st- I'll still do stuff bespoke for people. You know, if somebody comes to me with a project and an idea and they say, Hey, I need X, Y, Z. These are the points you got to hit. This is how long I want. This is the type of instrumentation, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, I'll still do that. But I mean, in terms of just general usage, there's, yeah, there's tons of, there's tons of stuff out there that people can, uh, go after to, to get that kind of stuff. Like there's, um, I'm blanking on the names now, but that's probably good. I don't want to promote other services anyway. No, no, I, I can't promote you, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We want to promote yeah. me. Come, come see me, mind you, and see this. This gets back to the, the the marketing thing. It's like I make in terms of like my media music that I do. I I write evocative rock for media, right? That's my like ten second elevator pitch, yeah, right? Great. And you know, if you blow it up on a macro level, okay, so evocative rock, so interesting rock based. So that can mean guitar, bass, drums, maybe some keyboards, whatever. Sometimes I do some like orchestral stuff over top, but like that puts me in a pretty specific stylistic groove, right? So people aren't coming to me going, hey, Nick, can you write us a 15 minute, uh, you know, classical orchestrated harpsichord piece? Like, no, I don't do that. You know, yeah. I could, I'm, of course, but this is what I focus on. I got to tell you, this guy's a ninja. Yes. The way his arm has moved. No, he's a samurai. He's a samurai. Get it right. Yeah, I'm a ninja with samurai fingers. All this stuff with his microphone in the way. It's so cool how the hands are popping out in different ways. I just had to bring that up. Yeah. Uh, I was also thinking. He always makes fun of me because my hands are always flying everywhere. Yeah. That way because his hands go that way. Otherwise, I get beat up. Fair. So, but the next, we need a jingle for What Up With Rob and Chris. Yeah, we need, we need an intro. You know? <laughs> yeah, we can work it out. Email me. Send, send me what you want. I can I can I can put a pitch together. So, I kind of want to end with kind of a fun question. Okay. And it's more of kind of a two part question, so it may take a minute or three. Okay. I want to know who your number one musical influence was, and then I'm going to go from there. I know, I know. Okay. Okay. Um. So. I've had a few over the over the course of my career and life. Are you most interested in who inspired me to start, or kind of just in general who inspires let's me to start? Today? I love that question. Yeah, yeah. Let's okay, let's... it's interesting. I just made a YouTube video about this. Oh, cool. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago. So I remember being, I don't know when it came out, maybe five, six years old when Back to the Future came out, 
and Marty McFly, and you can see I got a little pop head, I got a little dock and a little DeLorean back there. But um, Marty McFly goes back to 1955 and he sits in with the band and he plays Chuck Berry's um, Johnny Be Good. And I remember watching that going, I want to do that. And I didn't even know, like at five or six years old, you don't realize like you can be a musician and like make money and write music and do this. And there's all the business involved. <laughs> but I was like, I want to do that. So of course, as a kid, you don't even necessarily realize like that's not actually Marty McFly playing guitar. Like that's not real Michael, really Michael J. Fox. Like he's miming along and he's acting, right? So fast forward to, I was literally today years old when I figured this out and not today years old, but like three weeks ago, I was like, I should really find out who that actually was. So it's actually a session guy from LA. His name is Tim May. And he played on some huge records in the early 80s from like Tina Turner to um, who else did he work with? Um, I'm blanking on it. But like big, big records back in the day. There's like there's a handful. There was like Tim May. There was um, Steve Lukather from Toto um, and like a handful of other guys um, that all did all of that session work in L.A. And they did like film and TV music like for in the live sessions with the with the orchestras and stuff. But uh, yeah, so Tim May actually recorded that guitar, recorded that solo. And I was like, I'm looking back on that going, you know, that's the moment that like really changed my life and made me go, I want to be a guitar player. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So the second part to that question is this, okay. I'm going to throw some names out at you. Okay. Give me two, three words that you think about them. Your first, first thought. Okay. So just a reaction kind of thing. Yes. Okay. Ready? Yes. Mozart. Hey, okay. Sorry. Uh, Mozart? Steve, yeah. Oh. Go Mozart. Go Mozart. Oh, okay. I was going to say farts. I did. There you go. Uh, Most people don't know, but he was really dirty. I heard that. Look it up. He was yeah, he was a pervert. Yeah, really? he was. Yeah, he he wrote a whole series of um, uh, sonatas about his flatulence. Yeah, and he had like an ongoing like, um, sort of a sexual letter writing relationship with his cousin, and like just all sorts of weird stuff. Anyway, so yeah, Mozart. So him and Tommy Lee would hit it off really well. Probably then. right. Yeah, he was he was the original rock star man. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Anyway, right, sorry. So here we go. Ready? Steve Vai. Oh, man. Guitar wizard. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Kirk Hammett. Wah pedal. Eddie Van Halen. The King. Angus Young. Uh, meatball Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Clapton. Hmm. Tasty blues for white guys. <laughs> Joe Satriani. Pushing the envelope. Yes. And this is one of my favorite guitarists, Prince. Ooh, interesting. Uh, he's a very, I would get, uh, so if I sum it up in one word, eclectic. Yeah. Very, very cool dude. And I, I, again, you probably know, but a lot of people don't know. He actually played on mostly like all of his recordings he played all of the instruments guitar bass drums keyboards wow. horns like he would bring sometimes he would bring in specialists to do certain things but he basically did everything so he was super super talented um killer songwriter and he wrote so many hits that he never even performed himself right like uh manic monday by the bangles was his um and of course i'm blanking on more of them but you know yeah hey, very very cool hey, dude for sure yeah. i'm gonna throw one out okay because you just hit a bunch of men yes i did I know who you're going with. Nancy Wilson. Yes. Mm, heart. Yeah. Um, just what, what can, what can you say about Nancy Wilson that hasn't already been said? Um, but yeah, just kick ass. Right. I'm going to yeah. throw another woman in there. Nita Strauss. 
Lover. Very, very cool. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Hardworking, talented, uber, uber focused, um, and uh, just a really cool, a really cool person in general, um, yeah. and a, and a great player for sure. Definitely. I want to ask him what if uh, we're interviewing, obviously, but what is it you really want to put out there? What? How do we find you? What's what? Um, what do you know? What do you? Yeah, absolutely. So the main focus of my life these days is really um, teaching guitar, spreading the love of music, making music fun again, and people can find me at guitardojo.ca is my website where I sell one-off individual lessons, tabs, um, merch, obviously like the hat that I'm wearing now, whatever. Um, but that ties into the YouTube. So I've got like a whole supporter program. It's like Patreon, but better, um, which basically, you know, you can go to the website and if you want to buy like a, you know, like a, a, a one lesson pack, it's like, you know, nine bucks or 10 bucks or whatever it happens to be. Um, and there's a bunch of different things available. But if you like my YouTube channel, if you like what I do, you like, you know, learning and that kind of thing, I have a Patreon Essentially, it's not Patreon, but that's kind of the gist. Um, and for you know, eleven ninety nine every two weeks, and that's Canadian, by the way, so it's less than ten bucks, so less than twenty dollars a month, U.S. People can join support, and they can get access to everything. Oh, nice. And here's the cool part, and this is why it's like Patreon but better. I actually have my own Guitar Dojo app. Um, it's live currently in the Android Google Play Store. It will be live soon on Apple uh, Apple apps. Yeah. And there'll be a, people can go on, they can download. It's free to download. There's a bunch of free content, but there's also premium content in there as well. Um, oh. And everything from, you know, just chord shapes and scale shapes to like how to strum better, how to get faster picking. Um, I've developed a whole system. It's called the fretboard infinity loop, which will basically take you from zero to hero on how to solo on guitar. Even if you don't know any music theory and you're like too intimidated to even try learning, I take all of that away and just be like, okay, do this. Oh. And uh, yeah. Well, I've had a guitar for a long time. I have not picked up because I've been afraid to. I, I got to take a check check at this. Yeah, all the stuff's down below. All yes. the links, down how to there. find him. And you've been amazing. Do you have anything else to add to this? No, because it's Nick, such a fun you. time. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's been a fun chat. Yeah, I feel like it's. I feel like it's been really short. I was like, we, we're just getting started. We could go hour. for like another hour and a half or something. I know like exactly. <laughs> No, that was great. Thank you so much. Hey, folks, we want to say thank you as well from Rob and Chris at What Up. Have a great day and a better tomorrow. What up? What up?